Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. This is probably one of those messages that you are going to think is the weirdest thing in the whole world. You say, well, that doesn't surprise me coming from you, Sister Marilyn. I'm going to tell you right offhand that I have never taught this in my whole life. Uh, But it could be one of the most important lessons that you're ever going to hear. And so, therefore, I want you to be real attentive and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And uh, I want you to get some truth tonight. Because there's some strange things going on in the universe. How many of you know that? That we don't know at all yet. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface of what is in this universe. But Jesus taught us that we can have what we want if we just speak to it and we believe it. Now, that's not that unusual to hear a message like that, amen? Because I've heard many messages in this very sanctuary dealing with that very same thing. I'm going to go just a little bit further with that, and I'm going to try to, in my stupid mind sometimes, try to bring this about where it, it speaks to me. And if it speaks to my, my intelligence, which is not very intelligent, <laughs> then I think maybe we can all understand it a little bit better. I like to bring things down to where I can understand them. Um, Jesus proved that there is a theory over and over and over again that you can speak to your mountain and it will be removed. If we only believe. Now, that's the criteria there. And we're talking about a man who conquered the elements of this world. In fact, he was the one who could walk on water and turn a loaf of bread into something that could feed 5,000. In fact, he could walk on walls. He, He went beyond the laws of this universe. And he has called us to be his disciples. And he said, greater things... Then these shall you do if I go to my Father, which is in heaven, because I'm going to send you a comforter, and he is going to lead you and to guide you into all truth. So this is something I've struggled with all my Christian life is that when I would pray about something time and time again, I would not see the answer come to pass the way that I wanted to. Has anybody else struggled with that? And I was trying to believe. I was standing on the promises of God. I was doing everything that I thought was possible to believe the words of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of a beggar that was sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And he, the Bible says that he was lame in his legs. And to me, that um, tells me a lot about how we are in our Christian faith sometimes. The man was not born without legs. He had legs, but the Bible says that he was lame. He could not walk. And this is our problem, I think, a lot of times, is that we have a measure of faith. We have what we need, but we have not learned how to move into that area, which is what Jesus was, and to be the disciples we need to be, kingdom disciples, 
people of faith that can say to that mountain, be removed, and it will get up and be moved. Or you can lay hands on the sick and they would recover. You could raise the dead. You could walk on scorpions and you could drink deadly poison and it not harm you. These are the things that he said we would be able to do. But the problem is, is that we are like the lame man sitting there at the gate beautiful and we have lame faith. There is something wrong. I've come to tell you some good news tonight because this is something I'm moving into myself in my own faith. I believe that we're all standing on the brink of a miracle and I believe that we're all standing in a time that God has appointed for this generation. We are the last generation. And just like those disciples were in the upper room when the Lord had something miraculous in mind for them, God has something miraculous in mind for you and I in this last days. And I wish somebody would get excited about that. It's almost like you're looking at me saying, really? Of course, this is the last generation. And we are going to be that generation that is going to usher in the kingdom. Amen. We're going to see Jesus Christ coming in the air. Amen. We are, it's going to be absolutely wonderful what we are set aside to do. And so I want us to look at this slide, the second slide there. Uh, science is just now, in this 21st century, getting on board with the Bible because science is now proving that what we believe has been correct all along. And of course you knew that. But the world in science is now saying you can have what you believe. And I find that absolutely fascinating because scientists... Most of the scientists that you read about are atheists or don't have any belief. But this thing that is coming on board in this late date that we have is confounding scientists to the core. It is shaking their belief in everything they believed the universe was capable of doing. So the world in science is saying, you can have what you believe. Or let me put it this way. You will have what you believe. Did anybody get that? You will have what you believe. And if you don't believe anything, guess what? You won't get anything. If you believe that God is sovereign and he's more powerful than anybody and that all you have to do is move into that anointing that he had for his children, then what you say and you believe in your heart without doubt, you will have what you believe. And scientists are saying this. That's a scary thought for some people, especially people that go around grumbling and complaining all the time. I call them Eeyore Christians. My life stinks. Nobody loves me. I can't get a job. People don't like me for some reason. I'm so sick. And here's my favorite quote. I'm so old and decrepit. <laughs> I'll never have a home. I'll never be blessed like other people are. Well, if I say what I get, and if I, any of you have said some of these things here, that's kind of scary that we get what we say or get what we believe actually. And if what I said is true, that I'm, I get what I'm going, what I believe, and I've been saying that. And some of you have asked me, how are you doing, Sister Darty? Well, I'm okay, except I'm an old woman, and I'm just sore all over, and my knee hurts, and my back hurts, and I'm so fat, and I'm so miserable. 
well, I might as well go home and eat worms, amen? I'm going to be pushing up worms pretty soon if I keep talking like that. We have the power to manifest our desires. Jesus said that we do now, and scientists are saying the very same thing. I'm not talking about some pseudoscience or some fringe science out there. And no, I did not get this off Star Trek, and I didn't get it off the Outer Limits or anything like that. <laughs> Previously, scientists believed that the world we lived in was objectively real. In other words, that this building is real, you and I are real, the jobs we go to are real. It, it, it matters not whether or not you're here on the planet or not because the world will go on the very same way that it always has and it's going to go on the same way that it always has when you leave. That's what they previously said. Or let me explain it like this, that regardless if you're alive or dead, the world would carry on without you. That's what I believed for forever, that it didn't matter whether I was living or not. Can I tell you that that is totally wrong because everything that I do and say affects my life and not only my life, it affects others around me. We're all connected in a very godly way. We are like a rock being thrown into a pond and the ripples scatter out. Someone asked me something the other day and said, I don't care. It doesn't matter what I think or believe. I said, it does because we're all connected. Everything you say or do or feel or behave like affects someone else. We're not an island. We are our brother's keeper. So I have a life. You have a life. And this is what we believed before. What happens in life, I can't do anything about it. The old saying is, that's just life. It happens. But as they studied the composition of the atom, and you all have known about atoms ever since you've been in school, in kindergarten. They taught you about atoms and neurons and electrons. And we didn't even know what in the world they were talking about. They were saying it was some little particle that is so small you can't even see it. And the electrons and neurons are even smaller than the atom because they're inside the atom and you can't see them. But there's something that has happened with scientific studies and quantum physics about the atom. They have learned that the laws that applied to those atoms no longer applied to those subatomic particles like neurons and electrons, things smaller than atoms. Now, you say, well, how in the world did they see that? If they can't see an atom, how do they see neurons and electrons? I'm not that smart. I don't know. But I will tell you this. There is a force in the universe, and we all know about it. It's called magnetic force. And I was supposed to have two magnets down here and forgot them. They're up there in my office. But if you put two magnets together, and all of you know this, if you don't put them together but you hold them close enough, you can feel the force. Amen? May the force be with you. <laughs> oh, you got them? Bring them up here. You can put these together and you can testify to this, Isaac, that there is something going on with that atom. Okay, you all see this? Get as close as you can. Yeah, why did that do that? That is magic. Oh, let's do. Hold it apart and let's see how forceful they are together. 
Is that a pretty forceful magnet? When can you feel it? When can you get as close to it and feel that force? That right there? Okay. So you're going to testify to me tonight that that's not magic. That is something that goes on in the universe every day of our life. Okay, thank you. When you go across there, uh, take your feet and kind of shuffle them on the carpet and then pat somebody on the head as you go by. You know why I said that? Because there's an electronic force in the universe today. We don't see that, but we know these things are there because we feel them. And it's the same way with the scientists. So I'm not going to bore you about quantum physics or even pretend that I'm an expert about them because when I looked into all these scientists, they didn't know too much more about it than I did. And it's way over my head and way beyond my pay grade. But I will tell you that I've been looking into it and there are some of the weirdest things that I've ever seen in quantum physics. I mean, the world is really a remarkable place. Let me tell you that what has shaken my world. Scientists have been conducting experiments on subatomic materials and how they act with each other. Those tiny little electrons and neurons, we've known that they have existed for a long time, but you can't see them. They're just like that magnetic force and that electronic force. So how many of you have uh, rubbed your feet across that carpet? Slide three, let's put that up. One of the experiments that the scientists have done is called a two-slit experiment. Um, They would shoot these small particles through the barriers, see those little slits in that, that, those three green lines that I've got there. They would shoot those electrons through the barrier and it would hit on the back barrier at the same place every time. And that's what they should have done. It was a normal process. Okay, that's great. Well, hallelujah. They they shoot that electron and it hits the barrier. They didn't know which slit the particle would go through, but they knew that if you aimed it at the slit, it should go through and hit the barrier in the back. And they did that over and over and over again until it began to form a pattern the same way. But when the scientists observed the experiment, the particles would go through the holes and hit the back barrier in the place that it was expected to. But now here's the kicker, and I want you to listen to this. When they didn't observe the particles, are you listening to me back there? When they didn't observe the particles, when they looked away, the particles would go through the slit and instead of hitting The same places every time. They would go to the left, to the right, through the barrier, hop over the barrier, do all kinds of little acrobatic works that they wanted to do. They thought, this is crazy. So they would watch it again. But when they turned their eye away and talked to somebody, they would have particles going everywhere. They would go everywhere. No kind of knowledge or sense makes sense in any way whatsoever and so after performing so many experiments science came to this conclusion that just by observing the particles just by looking at them our thoughts or their thoughts were controlling the particles their thoughts because it sounded reasonable was controlling the particles 
because their logical minds knew where the particles should hit and it was reasonable for them to hit in the same place if they were using the same amount of force every time. Slide number four. But when this observer effect or when the scientists looked at it and first noticed by the early pioneers of the quantum theory, they were freaked out. And I would be too because it seemed to undermine the basic theories behind all science, behind all logic. This is not logical. The world out there, irrespective of us, is doing something that we cannot explain. And if the way of the world behaves, it behaves depending on how or if we look at it, then what can reality really mean? Simply by looking at the particle's path, even if that observation should not disturb the particle's motion, we change the outcome. We change the outcome of that particle by looking at it. It obeys what we think is going to happen. Observation or looking at the particle not only disturbs what has to be measured, they produce it. We compel a quantum particle to assume a definite position. In other words, one scientist said, we ourselves produce the results of the experiment or the measurement. If, as if nature, it's as if nature knows, not just if we're looking, but if we're planning on looking. If we are anticipating looking, it's as if nature says, wait a minute, we gotta line up because that man is watching and we've gotta, I know this is the, it's, I told you it was weird. Anybody think this weird? Raise your hand. It's okay. It's weird. One scientist even entertained the thought that the presence of living beings, which are capable of noticing like a man, has transformed what was previously a multitude of possible quantum past into one concrete history. In this sense, the scientists said, we become participants in the evolution of the universe since its very beginning. In fact, what are we supposed to do? Wasn't that what Adam was supposed to do is take dominion over the earth and God told him, you have power over this earth and you have the say-so in everything in this world? So in a sense... This is a participatory universe. Slide number five. The Bible says in Romans 4.17 that God calls those things which be not as though they were. And then in Psalms 82 and 6, he said, I have said you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. Are you saying that we're all God, Sister Darby? I'm saying that when God created us, he created us in his image. Male and female created he them. And when Adam and Eve roamed this earth, they were celestial beings. They were immortal until they lost immortality. That was not a normal human being, but we, and Adam lost a great deal, but he didn't lose everything. In fact, Mark 11, we read about the story of when Jesus walked over to a fig tree and he wanted fruit from that tree. And slide number six, Jesus said to the fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Why? 
because it was not time for fruits, the Bible says, but that tree was already budded out and it looked as if it was a good tree and it was going to give fruit. And Jesus looked at it and said, you're not what you should be. You're, I'm, I'm going to curse you. Nobody will eat fruit from you again. And they were, the next day, his disciples walked by the same fig tree. And the disciples noticed that the fig tree was dead and they said, Rabbi, look, Peter, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. Well, Jesus went on to explain a little bit later on in that chapter, Matthew chapter 11. He said, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Was Jesus a liar? He was the son of God. In fact, he was God. And he told his disciples, look, yes, I cursed a fig tree. It obeyed me because I know something about the universe. In fact, he created it. And he told his disciples, look, if you just do what I do, you can say to your problem, get up out of the way, be removed, don't bother me, don't get in my way. And he said, if you will say it and not doubt in your heart, it will be done. Our creator is amazing. It's so common sense theories cannot explain the behavior of the universe because it doesn't make sense. It does if you live in a kingdom where a king has all the power in the world and the universe and he says, I'm giving that power to you. That makes sense. But we have lived, lived so long in this fallen world that we're behaving like the rest of the world behaves we're not believing that if we say to the fig tree be cursed and no man eat from you ever again I was telling Terry the other day we I was in the car with one a friend of mine one time and I'd never done this but we went down I think it was Nicholasville Road going toward Lexington and there was a, a fortune teller her house was out there on the highway and she looked over there and she said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. You have no authority in this town. I went, <laughs> what was that? I mean, something leaped in my faith and I thought, she's right. We don't have to put up with that. We can curse that just like Jesus did the fig tree and tell it to be gone. And do you know, now the next time I went through Nicholasville, she was there. The next time I went through Nicholasville, she was there. But every time I went by her business, I said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. You will not have preeminence in this town. She's not in business any longer on Nicholasville Road. These particles that I'm talking about are pure energy. But here's the kicker. This energy has its own intelligence, these scientists are saying, and behaves in this nonsensical way. It does what it wants, when it wants, unless I tell it to behave a certain way. Unless I say, I'm watching you. Quantum physics says everything in this universe has this common energy. Jesus, the olive tree, the mountains, all have this common energy. All the same stuff. Atoms, electrons, neutrons, the stars, a rock, 
the earth, you, me, we're all made out of the same energy. We're all connected. In fact, we are the stuff of creation. It's known as consciousness. And what is consciousness? The state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings. You're saying that these particles are conscious. I'm saying everything in the universe is conscious. Flowers, trees, the ground. Even God said, Cain, where's your brother? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Everything is conscious because it has the essence of creation in it. This energy cannot, listen to this, not be. It cannot not be. In fact, scientists say it never had a beginning and it will never have an end. Woo, I wish somebody would get a hold of that because scientists are saying there is something in this universe that has no beginning and it has no end. And when they're ever going to see that my God made this universe that way, amen, that it will not have a beginning or an end. It was all devised by the creator. As humans, we all have our own consciousness that is unique. And yes, it's linked to the consciousness of the entire universe. In essence, every human experience is being the center of their own universe. So everything we say and we think literally affects the world around us. Not only in us, but in the world. Everything. Just as Jesus affected his world. Did not the rabbi go through the world and affect the whole world that he touched? Our thoughts and our beliefs literally shapes the world around us. We've always been doing this. We just did not know it. We weren't conscious of it. We did it unconsciously. We haven't realized we're actually doing this. Slide number seven. Our thoughts and beliefs literally draw real and solid things around us. Now listen to me. In other words, if you have the job you wanted... If you don't have the job that you wanted and you took less, it was because you attracted that job, the less job, to you or ignored the job that you wanted. You didn't believe in the job or subconsciously you thought that the job was above you. You derailed your own plan by not believing in yourself and making others believe in you around you. Because you're drawing energy to yourself. You didn't, so therefore we cause our own misfortunes. Words that we speak are so important. When God created the universe, as mentioned in Genesis 1, God spoke the word into existence. There are 11 occurrences where God spoke things into existence in Genesis. In Hebrews 11.3 explains it like this, by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen, read that with me, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God created everything by his word. Did you get that? He made everything we see by the invisible, by these little particles. 
Genesis 1 and 3 through 25, and I'm not going to look at that one, but God said it was good when he created the daylight or the sun and the moon. He said it's good. He created the earth. It's good. God made man from the dust of the ground, and it says in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and he said, that's good. You know why he said that? There wasn't anybody else to clap for him or praise him, so he praised himself. That's good. <laughs> but notice that when he created something, he caused it to bring forth what was already in it. Now listen to this. Everything that you are and that I am, we've already got everything we need right here. You hear me? Everything I need, I've already got. In fact, it, it's already complete. He doesn't have to do anything else. Everything that... I'll ever be is already in me. And if we lack anything, it's not God's fault because he's already done it. In fact, when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. So everything we need, we already have. The problem is that we don't know that we've got it. In fact, in Genesis 1 and 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth. Look at that word, bring forth grass. He didn't say he created the grass and the trees. And all these, are, it didn't say he did that. He said, let the earth bring forth the herb that yields seed. So notice, let the earth bring forth what I need because he's already created everything that was needed in the earth when he made that ground. The earth was so good, and God already said, that's good. So now God says, let the earth bring forth the herb, the seed, the fruit tree. They're already in the earth. So God simply said, earth, bring forth. So God is saying to us, earth, bring forth. What are you talking about, Sister Darty? Didn't he say when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He made man and woman from the earth, from the dust of the ground, and everything that they needed was already in the earth, and he is saying to earth tonight, bring forth. He's asking you to speak, amen, your future into existence. He wants you to say, bring forth, earth, bring forth. Marilyn, bring forth what you need. Don't sit around with need or lack in your life. Bring it forth out of you because God has already given you what you need. So God is saying, bring it forth. Let your will be done in me as it is in heaven. All I've got to do is learn how to take dominion over the earth. Which is what he called Adam to do. What he called man to do is take dominion over the dirt. Take dominion over the earth. And if we're walking around in lack, it's because we have not taken dominion. We have not taken the authority to do that. 
So that was man's purpose is to take dominion. The scientist's conclusion of the two-slit theory that I talked about was that when the particles are not observed or watched, then they do what they want. And it's as if they're saying that they have intelligence or consciousness. Well, Einstein had a problem with that because Einstein, in fact, what they were saying was if you don't observe it, then that must mean that there's nothing there. Now, this is what scientists say. This is where I differ from them. If you don't observe it, then there's nothing there. Einstein says, that means if I'm not looking at the moon that it's not there? No, the moon is there. God created the moon. This is what's happening. Whether they do or, or don't, the theory is this. Yes, they do what they want when not being told what to do by man because it is our job to take dominion and that's why God told us to do so. We are to tell these subatomic particles, this energy that we are made of, to obey. To obey the will of God. And I can't just speak about what goes on in my body. I'm talking about the will of God, about everyone that is around me. And I'm just going to tell you that I haven't been doing that because I have not learned how to take dominion. In fact, just to be honest with you, I'm a little pussycat. I used to be tough. <laughs> but since I've got older, I'm kind of just subdued and kind of laid back. And, oh, okay, Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. I used to stand and say, no, that's not the way it's going to be. I declared it and spoke it without man taking his place in the universe and telling the elements what to do. Then we have chaos. We have devils, amen, that will take charge over the, the atmosphere and the things in heaven. Terry, tell them what you told me the other night about the tornado. You have to come up here so they can hear you. Well, I want to hear it again. Go ahead. Stand up and face them. There you go. We're all old and we can't hear, but I'm going to take dominion over that and have good hearing. Amen.
Funnel cloud. The funnel, not the pump, not the cloud, but you know how they stitch that the rotation? Mm -hmm. They said that was rotation when that cloud rotated. Wow. But God. What I'm saying here, if you didn't get the job, I want you to be specific when you pray. But you also need to understand that you need to pray the Father's will because he may not have that job for you. He may have something that's going to pay a whole lot more than what you're settling for. So pray the Father's will. Therefore, as God explained to me like this, we should speak to our situation. We should speak to our problem in our life. Jesus instructed us to speak to our situation and it will change according to our words, especially if we believe what we say. So science says that consciousness creates reality. So what you think creates your reality. If we change belief systems, then we can change our world. We can either have what we say, which enables us to be able to change our circumstances, or we can say what we have. Come on. We can say what we have, which will make us victims of our circumstances. Remember that life and death is in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18.21 says. Haven't all of us experienced getting up in a bad mood? I'm going to tell you something that I, I also had this after I talk about this bad mood thing because I've gotten up in the morning and I just didn't feel good and I, the coffee pot was broke and had to go to work without my coffee and when I got there, somebody took my parking place and I had to walk a mile to get in the door and when I got in there, the boss chewed me out because I was late and then somebody called from school and said, you got to come pick up your kid and when I went to get the kid, I got a flat tire and when I finally got to the school to get her, I got home and husband says, how come we ain't got supper on the table? It just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? Everything. I'm going to tell you, that is not coincidental. What if you had got up in a bad mood and you started singing praises to God? Then all of a sudden, everything starts to change. Amen. Everything starts to change. God said, my word shall not return to me void. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And he said, my word will not return to me void, but neither does yours. Wow. In other words, the things you've been saying will not return void. It has life to it. And whatever you're saying, you're creating. And that's when I said, I'm not going to say that I'm old and decrepit anymore. I'm not going to say I'm sick. I'm not going to say I lack because my God is able to supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Amen? 
If your life is constantly in turmoil, wouldn't it be fair to say that maybe you're creating your own turmoil? Maybe you're creating a belief system that isn't serving you? That perhaps you're attracting things to yourself? You may be attracting the wrong kind of relationships, the wrong kind of people because everything that comes out of your mouth is negative, negative. I love negative people, don't you? I do, but I don't. (laughs) Oh, no, it's like I thought. And the scripture that came to me was Job when he said, the thing that I have feared the most has come upon me. I have a nightmare that I constantly go through. I don't have it every night, but I'm going to tell you it's a reoccurring nightmare that I constantly go through. I'm always in this big house that is torn all to pieces, but I'm familiar with it. Different rooms, floor falling in, curtains torn from the windows, and I'm looking looking for my children. And every time I have that dream, it's in a different house, but it's the same thing. The thing that I have feared the most has come upon me. can't go into it but the thing that I have feared the most has come upon me but I am no longer going to walk through that desolate house with floors falling through and curtains hanging off the windows because I know now that my words mean everything in my universe and I'm speaking my reality into existence And I will not be governed by unbelief and the things that the devil says that I have to be put up with. I'm going to call that thing that is not as though it were. And I'm going to believe that my words will not return to me void. That I will speak into existence the things that I need to happen in my life and those around me. The Lord said, turn that thing around, girl. Because your words are not returning void either. It's going to accomplish what you have said. Your words will bring about what you have said. What you want comes from your heart. It shall prosper in the things whereunto I send it. The words you speak are like seeds. They will be planted and a tree will grow. And whether or not that tree is good or that tree is evil, it all depends on how much you know that you take dominion over your life and over this world. What time is it? Come on, Loretta, I think you're... My children don't behave. I don't know what we're going to do about our finances. 
When you say that, then you're praying, you're saying, you are declaring that your children are undisciplined. My children are undisciplined. They're just out of control. They won't listen to me. You're declaring it. And I know that's not what you want. You need to take the word of God and write it on tablets, the Bible says. And put it up in your house if you've got a, a habit of constantly going around and naming and claiming things that are not in your best interest. And you put the word of God around your house. Put it on your mirror every time you look in the mirror. That the battle is not mine, but it's God's. It belongs to him. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. And you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. No, in all these things you are more than conquerors through him who loved us when the righteous cry for help the Lord hears and delivers them out of their trouble the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly fear not for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Submit yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I don't think there's anyone in here that could refute that we have been going through a season of trial. And I don't believe for one minute that it's God's will for us to be sick or beaten down.
or broke, busted, disgusted, alone. That's not what God made this universe for. He made it so that you and I could be just like Adam, a celestial being that would live forever. That's what we're going to do. But he said, I want you to have life. Not just life. Life happens. Not just life. Not just existence. Not just going through the motions. Not going from one heartache to another heartache to another disaster. He said, I didn't come just to give you life, but I came to give you abundant life. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're, instead of soaring with the eagles, we're down here on the ground pecking with the chickens. Stand with me. I don't know, Lord, whether anybody has believed me tonight or not. But I believe it. I believe, God, that it's an hour and a day where the miraculous is going to take place. And you're getting this last generation ready. You're calling us to something great. But you want us to be prepared and be able to stand with two feet on the ground with our shoulders thrown back and our head in the air and knowing that nothing shall by any means harm us. You've given us the Holy Ghost, your comforter to lead us and guide us. And yet we ignore that still small voice so many times don't pay any attention to it. We say, oh, that's just me. But Lord, I know that your spirit speaks to your church today. You're calling men and women into the kingdom work. You're calling them to preach the gospel. We don't see too much of that anymore. But God, I know there's a generation that is coming in the last days that will be like Apostle Paul's let loose on the face of the earth where men and women will desperately need to hear the gospel preached. But God, shake us. Shake us, Lord. Shake everything in us, Lord, that's not like you. God, shake it loose. Let, us, let it fall from us, God. Let the scales fall from our eyes like you did, Paul. Let us see, God, into spiritual things. Open our vision, God. We're blinded, God, by the things and the cares of this world. But God, open our eyes. Be like the prophet's uh, servant, God. Open our eyes that we might see who's for us. I wanted so desperately, Lord, tonight to make a challenge. 
And I know, God, that you got a lot of work to do, especially in me. But help me, Lord. Help us, Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you right where you're at, just lift your hand to him and magnify him. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, oh, Father, we worship you, God. <laughs> Let us change the atmosphere around us, oh God. Let us change doubt and confusion, God, and turn it around into belief, God. Miracles, wonders, signs, anointing flowing again in your house, oh God. <laughs> that when the sinners come in, God, they cannot stand to be in your presence unless they repent of their sins. And cold church members, God, would fall on their faces and magnify the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, God. <laughs> I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Sister Terry and Brother Isaac and Brother Matthew, Brother David. If there's any other ministers in the house, would you come up here and just get on both sides of me? If there's any other ministers in the house? And I want every one of us to come up here and get with one of these ministers and we're going to pray for a revival to start right here in this little group of people that we are, amen? Because we desperately need to see the will of God take place in our lives, amen? In this church, in all the churches in our community, in the Baptist church, the Episcopal church, the Catholic church, it doesn't matter to me just as long as God has his will and his way in it, amen? And that the churches would join together. Oh, there is something that's stirring, amen, in the atmosphere. I believe that he's wanting us to come together and drop all this foolish denominationalism. The things that divide us. I'm going to ask every one of you, even if you feel you don't need it, amen, I want you to come up here and we're going to lay hands on you. Come on. <laughs> 